Welcome to Attenuation, a podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discover brewing history, and delve into the latest trends in the ever-evolving world of craft beer. From hobby IPAs to rich stouts, we are your companions on this hot forward journey. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. And now, grab a pint, sit back, and enjoy this episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 103 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Steven. Hello. How's it going, sir? So good. Good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, my favorite thing, recording the podcast <laughs> and drinking good beer. Well, you just got a tower box, so you're rolling in the good beer. Yeah, I got one yesterday, and I spent way too much money on it. I told Steven, I, I was texting him, I was like, I gotta delete the app again and wait. <laughs> well, the pre-orders are out of control right now. Yeah. Like, everything, they, everything they release now is a pre-order. It's like, Their New Year's resolution was pr- only pre-orders. <laughs> hey, they're sticking to it for sure. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. I don't know. It's Obviously, it's probably better for them, too. And then I wonder if they're making, especially for something that's like not produced, I wonder if they're like coordinate, coordinating with the brewery so they can get an idea of like how much extra they should make that they can sell on top or whatever. It's sort of Kickstarter-ish, you know, yeah. right? Like if you know pre-sell and yeah. you don't get them, then, then you just refund them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I do appreciate, though, they are telling you when, like about when it will drop. Like they give you I, yes. a, they do give you like an estimated date, so that's good. So you can kind of plan your box a little bit better. And that's uh, new too, know. right? I think so. Yeah, I yeah, noticed or that. Maybe too. I wasn't noticing it before, but yeah, no, I totally noticed that. It'd be like, oh, this will be in your crate like mid February or whatever. So you can kind of strategically plan around it. But yeah, that's like the one of the things I'm usually pretty good about being disciplined. But Tavor is so dangerous. You can really, uh, because there's not like a good metric. They would never do this. I guess you could look at your crate and add everything up, but you just like add something and then you're like, okay, I just added that. But you don't like think about the totality of everything. Yeah, like, you're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly. You know, like you could set a budget for your whole box and then just, I know, start, start that's deducting what, from that. That's what I but, do. well, and that's what makes like pre ordering hard because like you, you like spend money early before mm-hmm. you're, you really want to. And I don't know, it's just, makes it a lot harder to plan that's maybe that's their real motivation for the pre-orders they're just trying to make it even harder to <laughs> track how yeah. much money you're spending yeah. on exactly <sighs> all right well anyways we, and they uh, get you with the fomo that's the big one the fomo oh it's, yeah I, I don't i feel like i'm gonna miss something and never get it again yeah some stuff sells out really fast i was actually <laughs> like losing my mind because i missed something i was complaining to steven and then i was looking into like <laughs> i was like how is stuff selling out so fast and then i forgot there's like the tavor prime people oh um, uh, yeah and i was trying true. to figure that out if that still exists first. yeah i still i feel like a lot of good stuff is filtering through but sometimes i feel like when something hits the app and then sells out within like less than a minute i'm wondering like oh i wonder if like that was just like the tail end of what the people in the premiere saw yeah but it's invite only and they invited me once and i said no and then I feel like I don't spend enough. That was a time in my life when I was spending so much money on Tavor. But we had two incomes at that time. That they're like, oh, this sucker will 
pay for this. And I said no, and I haven't been invited back since. So you I'm not a whale. I'm not a whale. Today. Yeah, I know. I should email them and be like, hey, can you let me in? <laughs> but anyways, okay. So today we're going right, to talk about... Some beer. Yeah, oh, we're going to talk go, about... Go ahead. We haven't even introduced the topic yet, Steven. Oh my gosh. Like five minutes in. Okay, we're going to do beer adjuncts, additives, labeling, and disclosures. Which is more interesting than it sounds. So I told so my wife... Stay with us. Yeah, I told my wife... She's like, what are you guys going to talk about? And I told her. I was like, oh, Steven has this idea. And she's like, that sounds really boring. <laughs> and I was like, I thought so too. And then I found an article about beer label rules, and I it's really interesting. She didn't believe me. so. But we're going to prove her wrong. Okay, now we can drink beer. Okay, let's do it. Okay, first segment is drink a beer segment. So the way this works is I introduce my beers, give nose notes. Steven does the same. And then we cheers and give tasting notes. So... Fresh off my Tavor box, and in honor of adjuncts, which is one of our topics, I'm going to be drinking a milkshake IPA. This is double... My, my favorite style. Yeah, so Steven doesn't like... Okay, I think I like milkshake IPAs. I haven't... Honestly, I haven't had a good one for a long time. I liked them when they first got popular, which I feel like was a while ago. A while ago, yeah. yeah. And then I haven't really drank one, but uh, one popped up, the number fifth rank one on Beer Advocate just popped up on Tavor, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to try this. And I think you got one too. And this will be the make or break for Steven if he likes milkshake IP or not. Yeah, I have one coming in the in a box. in my The box is on my way, or on its way to me. Yeah, so, well, and part of the problem, I think we talked about this before, but I think they got really popular and everyone did one. And there was like a lot of bad ones out there. But I think the good ones when done right are good, but I honestly don't remember. So this is going to be kind of a test for me too. So this is a Citra and Strata Hopped Milkshake Double IPA. And then they add oranges and vanilla. And I assume lactose. And this is 9.5%. Dang. And then I'm also going to be drinking, actually I'm going to do two, because one of my new rules is not to drink things in isolation. I'm going to drink Juicy Bits, because this is apparently tastes a lot like orange. Um, and Juicy Bits is from, oh, uh, Double Blazed Orange is from Hop Butcher for the World, which is in Chicago, I think. And then yep. Juicy Bits is from Weldworks. And Juicy Bits, I think, is, they have a similar hop. I think Citroen Mosaic. I think. Yeah, Citroen Mosaic. Okay, so the wow, the double blazed orange. I should turn off my blur. It's very opaque. Has a super thick head. And sm- <laughs> I'm laughing because it smells like an orange creamsicle. Legit. And then Juicy Bits is also pretty opaque. It's a little bit more straw colored. Less head. Okay, let's see. I'm glad I opened both of these. It's illuminating to smell them next to each other. So the double blazed orange smells so much like a creamsicle. It's like orange vanilla it doesn't even smell like beer you definitely there's like a maybe a tiny bit of hop on the tail end of the nose and it does smell very sweet as well so you're getting like that grain bill it does not smell like beer though it does not because especially when you smell juicy bits i'm like oh this is beer (laughs) like the double blazed orange doesn't even like registers beer to my brain juicy bits has way more like you just you're getting way more of like the hop aromas oh it smells dank a little bit of like just more the things you would normally smell on IPA, like um, you know, orange peel, citrus, pineapple, maybe even like a little guava or passion fruit. It just it just reads to my brain like an IP more like an IPA. So okay, this is gonna be super interesting. All right, Stephen, what are you drinking? Okay, because we record less frequently now, I really try to just drink the best beer in my fridge, and that currently is Hubbard's Cave Barrel Aged Alzacaton. Oh no, you're not. Nice. I'm so excited. (laughs) 
So this is 2022 barrel-aged Elzacaton from Hubbard's Cave. They are in Niles, Illinois. And they, they're the, like, there's two sides to this brewery. They have Hubbard's Cave and then Uneane is the other side. Not quite sure. I know, like, Uneane is more like their wild ale, sour side. Hubbard's Cave does more of the IPAs and stouts and stuff. I don't know if that's, a like, a wild bacteria thing. Like, they completely separate those breweries or, or what. I'm not sure. So they're not physically connected at all? I don't I. I don't actually know. Okay. I could look into that. I could postscript that. Yeah, that'd be a good postscript. Because isn't it? Why um, they have to. Am I wrong? Russian River is like that, right? Don't they keep it totally separate? They, yeah. Yeah. Just to. <laughs> yeah. Contain. They just don't want to infect their non-sour brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is a barrel-aged imperial stout. It's fermented on toasted oak. With almond flour, chocolate, cinnamon, vanilla, ancho chilies, guajillo chilies, and habanero chilies. Yeah, I was obsessed with this style. I still really like it, but it's that spicy stout where they put the... Have you ch- had the barrel-aged version? I've ne- I don't think I've ever had the barrel-aged version. I love regular El Zacaton, but I think the barrel-aged one is going to be special. Okay, so this is obviously black, dark, um... Like a very dark ring of bubbles around the outside, but with a lot of lacing. So very thick, sticky. Just a really classic barrel-aged stout aroma with some good chocolate and espresso notes. The chili heat is there, mm-hmm. but just in the back, like very complimentary in the aroma, at least. Certainly some vanilla and toasted vanilla oak aromas coming off there, too. Okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I think you're going to like it. All right, cheers, sir. Cheers. Okay, wow. This is fun to try these two together. I don't know if I like milkshake IPAs anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You win, Steven. Well, okay, this is is what I think. Um, When I first had it, it kind of like blew me away because it wasn't really like anything else I had ever had. But now that I've had a ton of like New England hazy style beers, I feel like they do something very similar, but they still read in my brain as beer. Where this... This milkshake, double blazed orange IPA, it almost doesn't read like beer. It's like the sours. What are the sours I hate? Like a smoothie sour. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's like <laughs> like a when I juice yeah sour. when I drink a smoothie sour, I'm like okay, this is just like alcohol in fruit. Like it's not it doesn't read to me as beer. And the yeah. same thing I think is true of this milkshake IPA. Like it's so much like so my tasting notes were sweet orange mango, develops into vanilla. Bitter hops, orange rind, long vanilla finish, but it really just tastes like a orange creamsicle. Like it tastes like someone melted an orange creamsicle and put it in a glass, which is actually like pretty awesome. Like it's cool they pulled that off. And there is like there is hops in there for like a second, but wow, it really just tastes like an orange creamsicle. It's like I remember getting this like I I feel like it was Evil Twin. And it was like a sour IPA. Mm-hmm. It was like blue raspberry or something, sour IPA. And I drank it and I was like, I don't know where they get an IPA from. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just, it's like the IPA is an afterthought. Actually, yeah, that's like a very astute evisceration of the style. Because <laughs> like, this is not an IPA. It Yeah. It doesn't like have... You- yeah. Like you use hops, right? But you've t- you've amped. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I I love like an amped up 
fruited IPA. Uh, grapefruit on the tracks from and blood and orange and uh, blood, blood on, on the, the tracks. tracks. Yeah, from Blue Note. I I I don't mind when they add some blood orange or grapefruit or something like that to an IPA. What's overripe from Great Notion with the mangosteen and mm-hmm. that? That's like top three beers right now for me. I love that beer. So I don't mind that. I think maybe it's just the lactose, the overly sweet and the over vanilla. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not sure what it is, but it's like they're, they've taken that, that idea of, of amping up these hot flavors, but like way past where you should. <laughs> well, they've like totally drowned out the things that make it an IPA. Like it's nowhere near, like it doesn't taste like a West Coast IPA at all, other than maybe the sweetness. But there's like almost no bitterness, like balancing it out. It's more akin to like a hazy, like New England style. But even then, it's like I don't know because I'm tasting it right next to Juicy Bits, which actually my tasting notes are kind of similar. It's really funny. It's like sweet orange, green melon develops into like fresh orange juice, but then you get that counter punch of like the dank hops and the finish is bitter. And that, to me, is like, I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times, but the IPA is all about the balance of those two forces, whereas, like, I just feel like on the Milkshake IPA, there's no counterpunch from the, there's no bitter, there's no um, counterbalancing force, so it's still good, don't get me wrong, but it's like, it's just, I feel like it's drinking a milkshake, it's like a dessert. So the other night, my wife and I split a, from Great Notion, the triple strawberry you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's basically smoothie sour. And yeah, this is like, well, it was really funny because my wife was like, buy more of these. Like, where'd you get this? Yeah, like, she, yeah, she yeah, loved yeah, yeah. it. But, <laughs> but again, it was like a dessert. It was like drinking like a dessert <laughs> wine or something like that. So, um, I don't know. I think they have their place. The other, my final observation on this, I'll give it a thumbs up within its style, but I'd have to be in the mood to drink it. The other observation yeah. we scanned in the pre-roll we were just discussing, I scanned like the top 10 of the, this style. So the milkshake IPA style. And I've only had this one, but a lot of them sound like they're orange. Like it sounds like the height of the style is making like a orange creamsicle style. I mean, and, and so it's kind of one dimensional. So, um, I think they pulled it off really well in this beer, but yeah, I don't know. I'd rather drink at the end of the day, like, Having these two side by side, I just I'd rather drink juicy bits, um, like nine point five times out of ten, because to it like just reads this beer, and I'm still getting this really cool like whoa, I feel like for a second I felt like I was drinking orange juice, <laughs> but then like that only lasts for like a second, right? Then all the yeah. other elements of drinking a really good craft beer are like uh, supporting the fact that it tastes like orange juice for a second. Whereas the double blaze orange, like it kind of just like tastes like I'm melt- drinking a melted creamsicle. All right, yeah. that was thanks for coming yeah, to I my TED talk. Other, <laughs> yeah, the other direction I think they go commonly is uh, strawberry. Oh, okay. Uh, kind of they kind of lean into the berry flavors mm-hmm. that hops can give. Uh, those terror. I, I don't really like strawberry in my beer anyway. Okay. In general, so I, maybe that's why I haven't really liked the style. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure uh, this orange one does sound good. It's good. I think it's uh you have to be if you're in the mood, and you know what you're gonna get. I think it's yeah. it's perfectly fine. Would yeah. it, it, would I want like one in my fridge all the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
somehow it was a confluence of things between uh, uh, getting a Tabor box and and my friend bringing me some beers from a, a local brewery. Anyway, I just have a I had a ton of smoothie sours in my fridge mm-hmm. at once, and first off, like because it's January and I do the thing that everybody does is kind of like I try to clean up my diet a little bit sure. in, in the new year. And so every time I look in the fridge, I'm like, ah, big old juice bomb. In my fridge. <laughs> like, do I have the calories for that? <laughs> I know. Right. But, so anyway, I've been trying to get through these smoothie sours and it's kind of the same way with like milkshakes, IPAs. Like there's a lot of bad ones. Yeah. It's a lot of bad ones. And even within the breweries that make good ones, there's a lot of bad ones. (laughs) And so I think that's like the hardest thing about the milkshake IPA and smoothie sour beer style is, is that like, it's so hard to get a good one because like, sure, just read the label and be like, Oh yeah, those fruits all sound good. But like, how do they end up balancing out and, like does it just sort of get lost in the like oh this is just a thick beer smoothie i don't know it's weird and i don't i don't trust people on tabor anymore because every smoothie sour is rated 4.5 for some reason (laughs) well you (laughs) know well i don't know (laughs) you can go listen to our episode about (laughs) beer ratings but i hate like probably once a week i send I'm I'm so I don't know. Yeah, you've been doing that more often. I'm now. getting so annoyed because I'm using Untapped again because I. Yeah, it is a really yeah, good yeah. way. To, it's a really great way to record your beers, and I yeah. like that you can like upload a picture and like I just kind of want to register so I can quickly look back and see like because I lose track of stuff like oh do I want to order this again do I want to drink this again, but I read the reviews on there. I hate every time I see a review that like just boils my blood. I screenshot it and send it to Steven. So like there were, what did I send you the other day? Someone wrote like motor oil. Yummy. That was like their review. And I was like, who does this? This does literally helps no one. This helps no one. Why did you record this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess like you, your participation in the app helps right oh like, i'm raising the bar steven because yeah, i write I mean, like full tasting you have notes to, right yeah you have to do your part to at least and hey if you, if you just want to rate it and you don't want to make a comment that's fine but don't put nonsense in there like See, I don't that's know. what i hate i i actually don't appreciate the just ratings too because that doesn't help me either yeah but i think you're right People's i think systems i think are well and we uh, talked about it in the episode they should just go back and listen to it but you know everyone has their own interpretation of like the one to five scale yeah so for some people an average is 2.5 but for some people like oh four is oh is fine so i do think that's why probably the smoothie sour kind of levels out at 4.5 because like if you have most people taste the smoothie sour they're gonna be like oh that's good yeah you know yeah so. exactly <laughs> right you're not like you're not like, oh, within, that was gross. Within the, yeah. Within this, the range of smoothie sours, where did this land? Exactly. You know? Like, oh, no, it tastes like sweet juice. I guess it's good, right? Someday, in, so in my perfect world, <laughs> I used to complain about um same thing with, like, Rotten Tomatoes. This is way too nuanced for reality, but it's true of both Rotten Tomatoes and scoring beer. I wish there was a twin score. So you rate something overall. And then you rate something within a specific category. So, like, if you like really cheesy horror films, 
obviously the Rotten Tomatoes scores are going to be low because as like a piece of art, they're just not going to register with like critics. But maybe for the genre of really bad, cheesy horror movies, this is like a masterpiece. So I'd yeah. love to see... It'll just never exist because this is too much for... <laughs> <laughs> you have to be so down deep down the rabbit hole of like the hobby or movies or whatever but i'd love to see like oh overall this movie is like a one of five stars obviously it's garbage but if you like really cheesy horror movies it's a 4.5 out of 5 had that twins yeah. that twin score would be so fascinating yeah well that's why you'll get styles like table beers or or beers that aren't necessarily as complex like lagers and stuff where mm-hmm. on beer advocate like even the best logger, I don't know what the score is, but it may be an 89 or something, you know, like, but you just have to look at the best loggers list and mm-hmm. kind of see like what, yeah. what is, what is technically the number one. Yeah. The, That's the actually a good point. Like an 88 or 89. At least that gives you some sort of benchmark for. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I mean, the if, loggers aren't ever going to do as good as yeah. Imperial stouts and stuff. Yeah. So. No, you're right. I guess there is that. You can always look at the rank list of just the style. And that is a good way to figure out like where it stacks up against itself, you know, other beers of its style. Yeah. So I guess I mean, ideally, you would have a hundred lager also. Yeah. Your number one lager would be a should be a hundred. It should be because it's a hundred. It's the best lager. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Of all lagers that exist. Yeah. But obviously, that's never going to happen. No. (laughs) You have too many people that just click five and write yummy. (laughs) Motor oil. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Does it actually taste like motor oil? Like, you like motor oil? Okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right so th- thumbs up for, for your beers? Yeah, thumbs up for Double Blaze Orange if you're in the mood to drink a melted creamsicle. And just across the board, thumbs up for Juicy Bits. Yeah. yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's so You good. need a Juicy Bits versus, uh, like, Contains No Juice or um, Fieldworks Pulp would be a good mm. would be a good comparison to that. Okay. Okay. What do you think of uh, El Zacaton? Barrel aged uh, El Zacaton. It's pretty awesome. Yes. <laughs> so it's a lot thinner than I expected, and that may be because of the time. This is a 2022. Okay. So really it's had like almost two years, <laughs> the seller. So that may, that may have thinned it out. I don't know. I don't have a lot of comparison in my mind to the original El Zacaton. But yeah, thinner, and that may be barrel related as well. So I'm getting tons of Hershey syrup, like, and maple syrup. Oh, interesting. And when I say, when I say Hershey syrup and maple syrup, I do mean sweet. Like it is, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty sweet. Surprisingly sweet. Just amazing chocolate, like milk chocolate and maple syrup flavors. Okay. And then there's this heat that comes from the chilies. And it's sort of replacing booze heat, kind of. Like, like oh, it's hard to tell. Interesting. You know, like, if you... um. Like if you take a shot of Fireball or something, mm-hmm. like there's like cinnamon, but also kind of booze heat. It's like signal yeah. confusion. Yeah, and that's kind of how this is. It's like it's like spicy, like with a throat burn. Hard to tell between whether it's the chilies or the booze. What is that. the ABV again? Thirteen percent. Okay, so that's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's not like I, I feel like the aroma, like the chili aroma that I was getting in the nose was more pleasant than the chili burn that I'm getting in my throat. Okay. I don't, I'm not a huge spicy food fan. Like, yeah, 
I like spicy things. Um, we have some really good, like, Nashville hot chicken, southern, you know, hot chicken here. In Texas, it's really, really good. I, I like burn sometimes. But, again, I think somebody who, like, maybe like you, I think you like spicier foods than me. You probably like this more. Yeah. But, it like, it goes away. Like, it, does, it doesn't linger too long. Okay. Uh, it's it's nice just, like, a part of the experience. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, it has three different kinds of chilies in the spear, so it's a good, like, wood char mm. to the finish, too, like a bitter wood char. It's fantastic. Oh, I mean, it really is. Like, yeah. like for it's incredible for a beer that, like, is bound, like, basically doing, like, a Mexican hot chocolate kind of thing mm-hmm. here, and it's it's incredible. The sweetness, the spiciness, it's, like, good Thai food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, all those sort of very conflicting flavors balancing just right and yeah they nailed it dang i really want the barrel aged one now i actually have or a like non mole yeah mole kind of like yeah well that's why i think that i th- i don't know when that style got popular i feel like it, maybe the first time we went to the beer fest that was a long time ago steven but i remember that style particular like the exactly what you said like the basically like spicy mexican chocolate style a bunch of people were doing it and i was like in love with all of them because i love spicy food so and i do love that interplay of like the sweet chocolate and the spice and yeah that sounds cool you're making me want to go drink my non-barrel aged on that i have in the fridge like i remember there was a um it was one of the first years at the beer festival was Weldworks and they had a taquito goza or something. Okay. They had a taquito in it. I don't know if you remember that. It's like a taco beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I remember it being like super spicy and thinking like, oh, this is, it's hard to like drink a spicy thing. Yeah. Like to drink a spicy thing because usually like you eat a spicy thing and then like cool it down with whatever you drink. You know? sure. <laughs> so, it's kind of, so that's a little weird for me, but honestly like flavor wise and the, the the cohesive flavors and the way that these conflicting flavors uh balance each other out is really incredible like they just did a really good job so nice so thumbs up and i think the barrel gives it again that yeah other, like that like wood complexity the the like i think it gives it that more of that booze heat that plays with that chili heat it's very mm-hmm. interesting yeah when you I said wish, you, uh, i wish you were here i know <laughs> i wish you could taste that because i'm not gonna drink this you're like time. i'm not gonna finish it yeah <laughs> honestly for even for me those are hard to finish just because i don't know it's such an experience but drinking a lot of it is that's a that's a really good beer to share so but I, do you think you drink it is it a thumbs up a thumbs up okay cool. fantastic really then like i'm drinking and it's warming up and it just feels it's really nice really nice we live in the reality i predicted Stephen, and the reality you predicted i don't like which is what you that me you, drinking imperial yeah, stout, barrel you, aged stout. you drinking barrel aged imperial stouts and me hating milkshake ipas <laughs> actually i still kind of like it but i am not i don't like it the same way i used to all right yeah. well so we get to our next segments we have yeah. i so next segment is postscripts where we fix things in previous episodes beer news which is self-explanatory and story time with steve which is also self-explanatory so postscripts we don't have one but you just added one and i don't want to forget it and now i forgot it oh yeah what's the hubbard's cave une on and what's the deal with that oh right okay so i'm gonna write that down 
And then beer news. We have two good beer newses. Um, and Steven's going to cover both of them, actually. Because <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, First one is Freak Week, which I, I had no oh, yeah, idea. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I just learned of this today, and I'm, like, fascinated by it. But other half just finished what's called Freak Week. Apparently, they do this every year, and it's been, like, seven years in a row or something. And they get with other breweries. And it's like, you know, Freaky Friday, right? That's the that's the reference. The freak, freak, yeah, Freak Week. So they trade recipes, and they make another brewery's, like, flagship beer. Like not just any beer, like oh, they're flagship beers, and then they they slightly changed the names of them. Like they did Psycho Sue instead of Pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath, so That's they awesome. made their their version of Pseudo Sue. They made their version of uh, insert hip hop reference there from Trillium. Oh, they made a sixty minute IPA from Dogfish, Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head, yeah. They made that clone, and then uh, there was one more of the Bale. IPA they made that one so just a really cool thing they make these four <clears throat> beers from a different brewery I would have I would love to try how it. awesome would it be to do side-by-side tastings like a other half's version of pseudo sue and yeah and try them and to see because you know they'd be slightly slightly if not totally different just because one that they don't have the experience well obviously they're very experienced at brewing beer but there's so many subtleties like think about when you cook a recipe like the first time versus the twentieth time, you know, you yeah. just dial everything yep. in. Oh, I'd yeah. be so interesting like to brew. try them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. giving them recipes of like a beer you've brewed hundreds and hundreds of times, and then giving it to the, somebody else to try. And like, really yeah, nice. they're good at brewing beer, but like they never brewed this specific beer. Yeah. It reminds me of there's this is like such a deep cut, Stephen. You can cut, <laughs> you can cut this out if you want. There's a science fiction book. I think it's called Anthem, and there's like this throwaway concept. It's one of the things I love about science fiction. This particular author does it a lot, but like where he has a really cool idea that, you know, he just wants to like tell people. So he just like puts it in a book. It almost has like nothing to do with the book. So this is like some, you know, futuristic society. And they made this grape, basically a wine grape that had the properties of all wine grapes. So imagine they made like a hop that could express the flavor profile of any hop in existence. And it was considered like the ultimate grape to make wine with. But like no two people could make the same wine with it. Because every little thing you did, like every single thing, like every temperature fluctuation, the barrel you put it in would make it express like in a slightly different way. And for some reason, that's just like, that's what it made me think of when you have like this different brewery brewing. Like they're following the exact same recipe, but it's in different equipment. It's done by different people. So you know the outcome is like, it's going to slightly deviate or maybe massively deviate from the original people making on their original equipment. That's awesome. But yeah. (laughs) I like that. I won't cut that. All right. It would be cool (laughs) if they could do that, like make a hop that could express every hop and then like brewers could just make like every conceivable. I don't know. It'd be cool. Uh, It's really interesting. Uh, Every once in a while I'll see like a new hop come out. Yeah. Um, They have a, new one called i want to say alora hop is kind of a newer hop on the scene and i guess i never really thought about how much they're like we're constantly doing hop development right like crossbreeding hop strains and stuff (laughs) yeah like all the time 
and this is a, it's a crazy hop because it's like super super long uh, like the shape of it is even interesting so with like more thiols than ever and yeah it's, yeah it's, it's cool they're like trying to find like new flavor profiles and it's kind of cool yeah so freak week that just ended uh just a really cool idea and i would love to try those maybe i'll just when i'm older and have when we're retired no steven when we're retired <laughs> we're gonna like we'll collect all the beer we'll like pre-research <laughs> what they're gonna make and we'll just be those weirdos we'll show up we're gonna be old so but whatever we won't care we'll show up with like a cooler of all the original beers <laughs> all the stuff we want to like yeah, yeah we're like we're we gonna try these side, side by beer. side oh my gosh they'd probably be like oh cool we want to try it with you Remember how uh, it's like how we showed up at Bailbreaker and when they released uh, Mount St. Humulus and like it was just a timing thing. It just happened yeah, to happen just, that way. But it perfect was like, timing. Yeah. Well, we'll just go and we'll look like we're in the know. <laughs> and we showed up so early and those guys <laughs> yeah, were like, no one you guys know we don't open until like two. And we're like, yeah, we didn't know if you'd be busy. <laughs> He's like, we will be busy, but you'll be fine. Yeah. All right, All right, next. Other piece of beer news is what? The New Jersey beer laws. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. This is, like, the best news. Yeah. They finally got legislation passed in New Jersey to change the beer laws. It did a bunch of cool things. One, it, like, made it, apparently, a bunch of these liquor licenses that there was, like, a, a limited amount of liquor licenses available, and they were all, there were no new ones available, basically. And the only way a new one would come available is if someone gave up or, like, one lapsed that was previously held. But, like, what was happening is that there were a lot of places that were holding multiple liquor licenses mm. without it actually being tied to a play. Like, they just they were just paying for them, essentially, like, renewing them. But not sitting on them. Using them, yeah. Yeah. To kill competition or whatever their goal was. So they nixed that. If it hasn't been used in two years, it frees up. So it's going to oh, free nice. up like thousands of liquor licenses. There's thousands that people are just sitting on? Yeah. Wow. It was like 1,200 or something liquor licenses that were, they were set to be freed up. And probably more as they age out. <laughs> so that's cool. So just easier to get a liquor license, thankfully, in New Jersey. But then the really great things for breweries that are already there... You don't have to do the tour anymore. The tour, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to take them through a tour to, to, to have beer at your brewery. I didn't know, realize how much restriction there was at like uh, on how much beer you could brew. Uh, so th those restrictions have come off, or they were greatly increased. The restrictions on how many like events you could have, but like playing the football game on the TV was considered an event. Yeah, it wasn't that considered do, an event. Yeah, and you can only yeah. do like, 25 of those a year. So the number of events in your brewery i don't think there's any restriction there's a restriction on how many brewer, like events you can do outside the brewery so that may be like beer fests or like weddings or stuff like off site brewery like you, events but anyway that's like 25 now but you know that'd be like one every other week or something so yeah not not that big of a deal it's mostly just being able to hold stuff like trivia nights and stuff yeah like that. and, and not having to like count <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Some of the restrictions on like selling your beer. I don't think you could even sell on premises. Like, so if you had a beer, you couldn't just sell can your can and sell it. Beer on premises. Like, you could 
whole, distribute it out to grocery stores and stuff, but you couldn't sell it on premises, which is just so stupid. So it'd have to be on draft if you were going to sell something on premise. So now that's changed. So just a lot of good things, and they finally convinced the governor to. They must be so happy if you own a brewery, like if you own a brewery in New Jersey oh, right now. Oh, I would. Oh yeah. I mean, it was crazy how many posts were kind of New Jersey breweries. <laughs> like, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. finally. So. Yeah. Just that's really cool. really cool stuff. That's good. We New have Jersey. a. Coming around. <laughs> we have a happy beer news for once. Or I feel like our beer news for like the last 10 episodes have been like, oh, this place is closing. Oh, well, brewery closure news. Uh, uh, Beerberg Brewing, which is just down the road from Jester King. I mean, less than a mile from Jester King. They're closing. Uh, they cl- they fi- officially closed yesterday on their fourth anniversary. Yesterday oof, was their fourth anniversary. That's brutal. I really liked their stuff. I probably liked their location more. Just... Like their food was really, really good. They had like a full Mexican restaurant inside the brewery. It was amazing food. And just they were like a really cool indoor and outdoor location. But yeah, just they couldn't hang. Yeah. So. They, they did a really, they did a lot of really cool stuff. Like, um, Jester King does this too. They're, they're very Jester King esque where they grow something on their farm, like on mm-hmm. their property, and then like use it in their beer. That's really cool. So they would do a lot of stuff with like wild mushrooms and wild herbs and Okay, you've talked about we've talked about them before. Yeah. Yeah. I had a beer on the podcast. Uh, it was like a sumac goza or something. <laughs> so, yeah. A goza with weird adjuncts. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so a lot what of are they dogfish of... head, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very much. Um, but very very um committed to using local ingredients and ingredients that they farm themselves and stuff so so that was cool they actually just had a beer festival at beerberg called beers made by walking or something it was like all the beers were made with ingredients that they like you know foraged essentially oh, that's so cool on the property yeah so that's just some really cool stuff but a bummer that they're closing well there you go steven you've ruined our or yeah, you've sorry. Con- you continued our sad streak for beer news. There, there's brewery closure news news every week. Yeah, really. I know. The once the I don't know if the numbers are out, but we've uh, predicted on the podcast that we've seen a inversion. So the uh, we believe that the total number of breweries in the U.S. is in decline after yeah. years and years and years of uh, increasing numbers. What's sad to me is when a brewery that's like Beerberg that makes good beer. Yeah. When they go out of business, because there's some riffraff that I would be fine with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't like name any names about that, any breweries here, but there are a few that I could 100% do without. Sure. Like the beer's just not good. But maybe they're smaller, maybe their overhead casts aren't as big and they're surviving better than. Places, so. Yeah, running a business is incredibly complex. Like, just because you have a good product doesn't mean you're necessarily being efficient. Yeah. Well, and like I said, Beerberg's I'm like less than a mile down the road from Jester King. Jester King has much more yeah, visibility, rough. nationwide yeah. notoriety. So, a lot of people are going there. Um, it's just sort of a remote area, so you kind of have to be going there. Yeah. That's hard. And if people are doing that, they're going to Jester King, right? Like, like we're going to go out to Dripping Springs and do a beer thing. 
that would be like your number one stop and then maybe i mean the way i found beerberg honestly was like the food at jester king is a little weird okay and i, I had my kids and we were like uh i don't think we want to eat here let's go eat somewhere else and it was kind of hot and jester king is like all outside yeah uh, and so we were like, oh, there's one like just down the road and oh, they have food. So that's how we found Beerberg. <laughs> nice. You so, found it as overflow from Jester King. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see how just, it's just hard to survive in like kind of a, you're kind of in a remote area and you're, you're banking on beer tourism essentially. Yeah. Not just beer, everyday people. Yeah. Location beer. is so yeah. important. That's what they say. Location, location, location. Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, add on sad beer news, but... That's okay. You asked for it. Well, cheer us up with your your story time with Steve. I want to hear about... I was pretty jealous that you got to drink the Russian River slash Pint House collaboration. Yeah. So, okay. Kind of a crazy story. I... I'm off on Fridays and mm-hmm. they were dropping the beer on Friday at 11 a.m. in like it was going to be it was going to when they opened they were going to have it on tap and they were going to have it to sell to go. And I ended up that morning having a absolute terrible migraine. Oh no. And wasn't going to be able to leave the house. And my wife and I were planning to just go down there and yeah. Honestly, I was planning on just having it on tap. Uh and maybe getting a four pack if I wanted it or something. So, um, I was like so upset. My wife was like, "No, I'll go down there and I'll just pick you some a four pack up just to make sure you get it." Nice. You know? So she went down and did that for me, um, and then uh, the next day, I felt much better, and we were like, "Oh, let's." I think I looked online and saw that it was still on tap, so I was like, "Let's just head down there for lunch." So we went on the Saturday. And we're able to get it on tap as well. So I've nice. got a four-pack and I got it on tap. There's a few breweries. I think Wildworks, I think, would fit into that category. There's a couple breweries where, at least to me, I've had enough of their beers that like they have a distinct mm-hmm. taste to them. A profile, yeah. Yeah, and Russian River is 100% that. Okay. Their IPAs just have like this certain flavor to them, like a certain... I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's yeast or their hop techniques or whatever, or the open fermentation thing, maybe, you know, yeah, it's just, maybe. anyway, they just come out like they have this incredible, like crisp pine hop flavor to them that just, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's just unlike any other brewery. It's very distinctly Russian river. And that's what this beer is. <laughs> um, I think I didn't look too closely I want to say this might be some sort of like cold IPA. Oh, okay. Where they use a maybe a, a lager yeast. I'm I'm not sure, but there's a lot. That was actually something else that we I meant to talk about on this episode is the resurgence of the cold IPA and the perfecting of that style. So I can't remember if this is that or not, but anyway, just a very very crisp, clean, clear but hoppy style. Okay. Like very definitely bringing the pine and the dank um not a lot of like tropical fruit coming through it's mm. more like the bitter grapefruit the like bright citrus the west coast through. style but not malty oh okay interesting sense. not in the sense of like a 
sort of the old school West Coast IPA would be. It was it's like a very very light and bright. Hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Really, you liked really it good. a lot, but so it sounds like you liked it, but it read more as like a Russian River beer than a Pine House beer. Yeah, because Pine House leans a little bit more into the new school, yeah, hazy IPA. Yeah, electric they, jellyfish they, baby. Yeah, I mean they do a good job of like balancing bitter and sweet and juicy, you know, not being some of their stuff. I, I mean, I'm. It's funny because now I, I go to Pine House so much and I drink enough of their beers that there's other beers that I like better. Like Scorpion Disco is their West Coast IPA, and I would much I much prefer that over. Oh really? Jellyfish. Yeah. Um, I want to try train, that. Tra- Training Binds is another one they make that's, again, just it's just a hoppier, more my style. <laughs> but Electric Jellyfish does appeal to the masses for sure. So. And it's a great it's beer. It's a good beer, yeah. yeah. So my story is that I have a, I literally have a picture of me and Vinny standing next to each other. Vinny Chilurzo from Russian River. I'm in my pint house flannel. <laughs> And he and we talked about Pint House, and he said, "Oh yeah, well, I've been meaning to do a collaboration with them. Maybe we'll do that soon." And I was like, "Yeah, that would be awesome. Get on that." So I'm gonna take full credit for. This I think you inception. Happening. I think you inceptioned it into his brain. <laughs> I mean, I I have to at least feel like I I, I sparked it. I think you, you know? should. I, I think you should take full credit. You know, he had talked, he had thought about it. He talked to him about it. And that just sort of like, oh yeah, I need to do that. Right. Like it just put it back up at the top of his to-do list. Exactly. You just bumped it back to top. Not only do you think, I think you should take credit. I'm taking credit. Thanks. (laughs) I think the podcast should take credit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we got podcast magic. So we'll just chalk it up to podcast magic. Podcast magic. Yep. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, I'm glad it was good. I'm glad you got to try it. All right, so the main topic, an hour into recording, Stephen. This is like a record. Well, I do cut out a lot of time. Oh, okay. So maybe it's not an hour. I so, remember last episode we were like at an hour and we <laughs> go mark this spot. Ended up moving back to like 40 minutes. Like yeah. Cut like 20 minutes of time out. Incredible. So look at the timestamp yeah. and you'll know. <laughs> you'll get some insight into the editing process. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this is cool. I mean, we don't record as often, so it's fun to catch up. So our main topic is kind of a four-parter. We got adjuncts, additives, labeling, and disclosures. So if I think Steven's going to cover adjuncts and additives, and then I'm going to go down a... I went down kind of a rabbit hole on labeling while I was doing research for this episode. So what, what drew me to this, actually, I was watching a Q&A with Cycle Brewing's... Mm owner his name is doug i think i can't remember his last name but he's really cool he does a lot of like educational reels on instagram and just kind of like what are we doing why do we do this all this stuff uh so he's just really cool so he did this like hour-long live stream q a and just covered some really cool topics and one of the things that he talked about a little bit was adjuncts and beer additives and that kind of stuff and it just kind of got me down this road of what things do breweries have to put on like have to say they put in their beer mm-hmm. what do what kind of things did they use to adjunct the beer and that kind of stuff. so one of the things big things like we we're talking about with the milkshake ipas is lactose yeah it's 
a very, very common beer additive. It's used essentially as a non-fermentable sugar in the beer to sweeten it without raising the ABV, without, you know, you're not feeding the yeast, the yeast yeah. the lactose, you're just uh, making the beer sweeter. But there are people who are lactose intolerant. True. And, uh, you know, I think we've done an episode about gluten in beer, gluten-free beer. And that, I think, is the same way in that, like, there are breweries that reduce the gluten in their beer, but they don't tell anybody. They don't advertise that they do that. There are other breweries that do. And so it's just sort of like a, it's kind of a self-governance thing with these breweries. Um, There's no official law or regulation that says you have to include lactose. Um, You don't have to say that the beer contains lactose. That's not a technical allergen. It's an intolerance. Okay. So you, like I said, you don't have to put that on your beer. So it kind of like begs the question, what is your motivation, right? Do you want to put it on there to let people know like, hey, if you if you're, not, if you're lactose intolerant, maybe you shouldn't drink this beer, yeah. <laughs> right? Or do you just not want to put it on? I don't know. There's there's just sort of this like, do you care if people are lactose intolerant? There's a, there was a great meme today that I sent you that was like, <laughs> it, was the, it was like the terrified Jesus meme where uh, it's like, you know, you've been drinking beers for hours. Like, oh, they contain lactose. Like, oh gosh. So you, you, know, you could have some... You could have an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you lose a customer over that. I don't know. So it was interesting because Doug's philosophy for cycle brewing is to always disclaim everything. Mm-hmm. I like that. To disclose everything. So he discloses that there's lactose in the beer. He discloses when... Actually, for most of the stuff, they disclose that it's being made in the same area as, like, that's using nuts mm-hmm. and you know all these different like possible allergens because uh, they just can't he's like we you know we clean our stuff but we're not cleaning to a yeah like to a, a level that surgical like, standard or something yeah, yeah just that, that um would eliminate all possibility of cross-contamination of these like peanut allergens or that kind of stuff so his philosophy is to just disclose it all we use all these things in our brewery i cannot guarantee that there's no cross-contamination and I think that's probably a good business model. Mm-hmm. Right? Obviously, there's some who, and we'll get more into like the um, labeling rules, but there's some breweries that don't want to disclose certain things that they don't have to because it may slow down the, the labeling approval process. Yeah. Right. So there's different, certainly different motivations for why you would or would not disclose that. So lactose being the big one, but there were some other interesting ones like artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Right. For the same way, right. Sweeten your beer in a non-caloric way or a non like, you know, non-nutritive way that the yeast are not feasting on these beer on these products, but they're sweetening the beer. I think aspartame is the only or saccharin saccharin. I think is the only one you have that are you're mandated on reporting aspartame too oh aspartame it's um yellow five saccharin aspartame and if it contains any sulfites okay yeah but of course there's other like monk fruit stevia there's other artificial sweeteners so doug was saying that he's actually had beers that taste you know they kind of have that weird sort of artificial sweetener Mm -hmm. flavor and you could tell that was in the beer but again you don't have to disclose those things 
honestly, I think like the idea of maybe doing like a diet beer, <laughs> it's like, like sweetening the beer artificially. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, in, the, in this like low calorie world where I know, right. Those are the beer segments that are growing or the low alcohol, no alcohol, low calorie beer. They really segments. are. Yeah. So maybe for the health conscious so we'll have a, or the, or the calorie conscious. We're we saying we're going to have, yeah, zero beer. <laughs> yeah, it's beer like, zero. Beer zero. So it's going to be no alcohol and no calories. Pliny zero. I want Pliny uh, zero. I don't want to live in that reality, Stephen. <laughs> as long as they still make the good stuff, I'll be fine. But... Well, so do you have an opinion on whether those things should be on the beer label? Or, um, or do you just think, leave it for like a self-governing kind of thing? Like... It's Well, I don't believe in most self-governing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people are pretty terrible. We try to avoid the politics at all costs on the podcast, but I do believe some regulation is required. Um, Yeah. And I think they do have a pretty good job. Obviously, you can nitpick with, like, well, why is saccharin on this list? But, you know, other artificial sweeteners are on. And, yeah, like, of course, some of that stuff starts to fall apart. Um, And, you know, some of the alcohol stuff is pretty silly. Like, so I found a whole article. It's kind of cool, actually. I, so this is where I kind of went down like a rabbit hole and got interested is like there's all these rules for beer labels and they kind of tell you like what has to be on there and a lot of it makes sense like you have to say the style you have to say how much alcohol content like obviously that's a, to me that's a really important thing like I always look at the alcohol content because I want to know what I'm getting myself into obviously you got to put the you know the Surgeon General warning which everyone ignores but you know it's on every beer but so there's some stuff that's pretty interesting that's like less obvious i mean some of the rules are silly but i think the overall spirit of the rules are are good i'd actually like to see lactose on that list of stuff you have to disclose just because like that is something that people are allergic to so it's kind of a little bit weird that you don't have to put it on there so like this is governed by the alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau and you actually do have to get your beer label approved and i kind of went down <laughs> down a little bit of a rabbit hole me and steven did in the pre-roll apparently there's some guy i know this article is from 2017 <laughs> so i don't know if he's retired but there's an individual that works at the alcohol and tobacco trade in texan trade bureau and he's personally responsible for approving over 12,500 beer labels and apparently he's like exactly what you'd imagine when you imagine like a government bureaucrat like be spectacled eccentric <laughs> and he's pretty strict apparently um so he's enforcing these rules and then they have if you go to the alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau they have like an interactive label which is kind of fun it's like a fake actually i don't know if this is a real brewery but it's a it's like a beer label and you can click on different parts of it and it will tell you like what the rules are around the different parts but what was kind of cool is i found a there's a company called jack rabbit and they kind of they're like a marketing company but they have a whole article on how to do beer labels and it's a little bit like seeing the code of the matrix because there are a lot of rules around it like i didn't know this but the class and type so like what kind of beer it is has to be printed horizontally on like the bottom half of the front of the can and i was like wait is this true and then i started like i like (laughs) went in my beer fridge and i'm like Oh, it is true. Like, if you look at the front of the can on the bottom half. Now, there's a couple exceptions where I don't know where how they're getting away with it, where I didn't see it. Maybe the... Who's the guy? What's the guy's name? 
the guy is Kent Martin. He's the guy that has like the he's the persnickety bureaucrat that's approved like twelve thousand labels. Maybe if you get the other guy, he's like the slacker. <laughs> And he just rubber stamps everything. But I would say on the majority of beers, if you look, if you look on the front of the can and you start to scroll to the bottom, you will see the style. So like the two cans in front of me, milkshake, double IPA, and this one says Indian Pale Ale right at the bottom, kind of lower half of the front of the can. And like a little nuance I discovered in the article, you can't just write IPA. You have to write it out, Indian Pale Ale. So... A lot of times it'll say, like, yeah, it's nuts. So there's all these rules, and, yeah, maybe they're, like, overly stifling. But, you know, the ones I can get behind are, like, the – I'd like to see the alcohol content. Um, It's nice to see – you have to put the name and address of where the producer of the beer is located, which is kind of cool. And, yeah, there's a bunch of other rules. Like, uh, you need uh, the brand name on there, and you need a product barcode, and then you need – you know other like manufacturer ids and stuff like that but yeah i didn't realize there was such a strict set of rules around it um, like a strict template to the yeah it's yeah it's almost label, like a template really. and yeah. what's funny is like once you kind of study this article we can link it in the show notes <laughs> it's kind of fun though because then when you start to look at beers you see like oh yep there's that part there's that part there's that part they're following <laughs> the rules because apparently to get if you want to sell beer you do because every to- once in a while i feel like there's a there's like a can that I'm looking over. And I'm like, I can't find the ABV anywhere on here. Like they don't, they don't put the ABV on Dogfish Heads on 20 minute. Do they not? They don't. I, they don't even put it on there. So how do they get away with that? Well, and the thing I wonder about is like Dogfish Head doesn't make sense to me because it's a pretty big distributor. But if you're like a very local distributor, there's gotta people. There's gotta be people who are just like canning stuff and selling it, and they're not even like remotely aware that there's these rules. And I just don't know how they would get caught. There's a like there's a concept in public accounting where you have to follow like gap regulation and it's like a scalable the it's hard to describe but the <laughs> adherence to the rules scales with your ability to more so, do a more sophisticated accounting of your company. So if you're just like a mom and shop pop that's making cookies, you have a much lower standard you need to hit than if you're like Budweiser. Like Budweiser needs extremely good accounting records. If you're a mom and pop shop, yeah, you need less. Yeah, so I do wonder, and I we'd have to maybe this could be a postscript, but I wonder if there's like a. In my r- brief research, it sounds like if you want to sell, you got to get your label approved. But I wonder if like if you're only selling locally, or like maybe if there's a threshold, like if you're only selling like X amount of cases, you're allowed to slide under the radar. But this is something it'd be fun to follow up on because I. I did notice, yeah, like, maybe there's not ABV on Dogfish Head. And the other one I noticed is um, I have a Prairie Artisan can because I looked at all the cans in my fridge. And I feel like they don't have the style on the front of the beer on the lower half. And I'm like, <laughs> how did they get away with that? <laughs> well, like, are, if you sell a beer on a, with a label that's not approved federally, I mean, what does... Like, who's catching you? Is there a reporting agency? Do you have I, to report? I mean, theoretically, oh, I guess there's, the, there's so many questions. I guess the alcohol and tobacco tax beer would have to catch you. But that's the thing is, like, their enforcement arm or, like, their scanning arm. Like, do they really send somebody to grocery stores? Yeah, is it well-funded? Probably not. <laughs> so, I mean, the moral maybe, of the story. Maybe they hire me to be the one guy to just go around and. But I can't go to the grocery store can. and make sure they all have ABVs on them. 
yeah but it's fun we'll have some links you guys can check it out <laughs> i mean this is a rich topic for postscripts because i have it's like it's created thousands of more questions in my mind but <laughs> so many questions yeah uh but yeah i mean i think like if you probably look at the vast majority of the cans they're gonna follow this it does seem like they follow the template thing. yeah yeah maybe i will reach out to dogfish head for comment be like hey do you know you're not following the rules <laughs> get him a little scared yeah i have reported you to <laughs> the dtp no steven don't do it that's a little too heavy-handed <laughs> well so, i won't actually report them out let's say you're trying to assist them with their adherence with federal law <laughs> And that if they could provide samples to the podcast, we might be inclined to overlook their <laughs> infractions. <laughs> is that blackmail? Never mind. Don't do beer. that. Yeah. <laughs> all your B plus beers send them our way. That's yes, yeah, the B plus brewery. Now they're never uh, going to send us beers, Stephen. Yeah. Oops. Okay, so some of the other interesting things. You cannot put low alcohol or reduced alcohol unless the beer is 2.5% ABV or less. Okay. You can't even put ABV. There's all these. Uh, you have to do like ALC by B. By VOL. VOL or yeah. whatever. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that are approved, but a, just ABV is not approved. Non-alcoholic applies to 0.5% ABV or less. And alcohol-free has to be fully zero percent but the yellow number five thing is really funny to me because there's a beer by prairie artisan ales it's their like skittles i think it's a skittles beer or it's a, maybe it's a sour patch kids beer they have a sour patch kids sour okay and they they did put yellow number five in the ingredients list and i was kind of surprised that they would do that i was like they don't really have to do that do they but they do hmm. so it makes makes a lot more sense now yeah the yellow five that's the only yeah. color you got to disclose <laughs> Wasn't that? That was a big, uh, was like Mountain Dew, right? It had yellow number five. It sure does. I think it does, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, too, is the size of the container. Oh, you, that one was wild. You, like, you can't just say, it can't say 16 ounces. I guess if it's 16 ounces, it has to say one pint. You can only refer to ounces. I'm, lo- I'm looking at my beers right here. I know. How big is mine? Oh, mine is, well, mine's a 750 milliliter bottle, so it says one pint, 9.4 ounces. Yeah, so, like, to the standard, one pint means 16 ounces. So, if it is 16 ounces, it's required to say one pint. So, on the double-blazed orange, it says one pint, and then parenthetically, it says 16 ounces. And then on the juicy bits, it says one pint. The only time you're allowed to list ounces is if, one, you say the one pint first, I think, or maybe... Right, right, yeah. With it. But if it's like, I'd say you're in the, what's the taller can called? The 20 ounce can. Like a tall boy? Yeah, tall boy. You would put, you could either put 20 ounces or you could put one pint, four ounces, four ounce I think. Yeah. yeah. But pint is like a very, I don't know. It's a. Requ- you can't just put 16 ounces. It's so weird. <laughs> All this stuff is so strange, but you know, it probably ties back to something. And I know there's like the Imperial pint. Like, isn't the. The quantity of a pint uh, is different in the U.S. versus, like, the U.K. I think it is. So, like, we could postscript this, too. But they make... Whoever has the bigger pint makes fun of the other country for having, like, a... That's not a pint. (laughs) Like, you're skimping me four ounces or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if there's anything else. 
I think just uh, sort of the debate on whether breweries should have to list these things. I don't know how much people care about that now. Budweiser did a thing recently where they started listing the ingredients on the beer. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, where they list like water, barley, rice, yeast, and hops hmm. or something like that. Like it's very simple. Ingredient Actually, list, you know what I mean. Like, like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, really like tell you anything. It's basically the uh, what's the beer beer purity laws? The uh, yeah, the Ryan Ryan Heitzkaba. Yeah, Ryan Heitzkaba. It's like uh, these are the five things that can be in a beer, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like seeing an ingredient list on water, or like on bottled water, where it says water. Water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like. I mean, you're not you're not really giving away a, a, a like recipe when you say water, barley, yeast, hops. In your, no, but. that makes sense. Yeah, it's like there's so many, you're not yeah you're not giving anything yeah. away. I guess my last comment on this, and I'd like to see this. This is my um, I wouldn't. I think it's expensive and hard to do. But and again, this is like a sliding scale thing. Like I think if you could afford to do it, it'd be really nice to see calorie counts on beers. Oh, I'm with you on that. I know that's like. Yeah, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty, you know, the government, the government getting involved, but like how many calories is in this double blazed orange? This thing has got to be ruining my day, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because you have beers that are intentionally tailored, right? Like, um, yeah, like the low carb beers, right? Yeah. Like a Miller Lite or something that is, says 95 calories. Like it, they literally put that on the can- on the bottle because that's their selling point, right? Right. It's a well, quote unquote, full flavored <laughs> American lager with you know low ABV, low calories. I guess in a way, in that from the like self governing standpoint of like, well, look, dude, if you're getting a big sixteen <laughs> ounce pour of some hazy IPA or a smoothie sour, I mean. Assume. Are you really are you yeah. worried about calories? Like I don't know. So, but I agree. I would love to know because you could make informed decisions. Yeah, exactly. I'm a huge you know. calorie. It's counter. like they did that on the. They did that with fast food restaurants and stuff, mm-hmm. where you have with the calorie counts, and it's not like when I go there, I'm like, oh, I'm. I thought I was gonna get a low calorie food, but I guess not. You know, like I know what I'm doing when I go there, but it's also nice to be able to like make it decision based on calorie count right i get something different than i would have or something well and if you're trying to hit like a certain calorie count per day you can still eat fast food i think it's funny because early in our relationship my wife and i dieted together and we had a lot of taco bell at the time and like you can like calories at the end of the day are calories like if you count calories and calories out like you can make strides towards whatever goal you have it doesn't really matter what form the calories come in you just have to have and actually in a certain way it's actually easier with uh fast food and stuff because you do know like those are explicit explicit quantities whereas if like you prepare something yourself it's like so much harder to know really hard to calculate yeah so So much harder unless you're like weighing everything Uh uh-huh yeah so anyways i'd like to see it obviously i wouldn't if i was in charge i wouldn't require it but it would be cool if, uh, you know, just for, especially for like mainstay stuff, like Weldwork's going to make juicy bits forever, right? Yeah, like so, you just need to do that analysis one time. Yeah, do it one time and then you can print it on the can. But I'm sure they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. You know, have you ever used like MyFitnessPal or? Yeah, you know, those kind of apps. 
or lose it. I want to see. I'm going to do a quick experiment here and just put in juicy bits. Oh, see, like, I know there's oh, like a. It, oh, it has it in here. Oh. Juicy bits, Weldworks Brewing, 145 calories for eight ounces. Okay. Is that so, reported from so, them? I don't know. It's just in the app. So somebody could have made this. I know there's like, uh, you can reverse engineer the calories based on the ABV. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure. So 16 ounces, 290 calories. Oof. It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That is a lot. I mean, like, think about it. You drink two of those. It's like a soda. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and I'm sure those double blades are And it's all carbs. (laughs) Yeah. Liquid bread. They don't call it liquid bread for nothing, right? Right. I just got a, another Tabor notification of a pre-order. Just can't stop, won't stop. It won't stop, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even, it's like, it's not a beer that should be pre-ordered. That's, that's, what, that's probably what's making me the most upset is that I think it must be coming from the brewery side. I think it is. The brewery saying, okay, tell us how much you're going to, how much you need. And that's how much we'll send you. So the only way Tabor can do that is just to a pre-order. Is it the right? That, it must be that. Is that the family business pale beer? Ale? Yeah, I've literally yeah. never heard about this. Yeah, this is not a highly rated beer. I mean, it's fine. It's just not like world class. No, no. Right? no, it's a yeah, it's a pretty good local beer here. But it's strange that they're pre-ordering that. It kind of annoys me too. Yeah. Yeah. They might Maybe, be experimenting too. It may be that they're. I have a feeling they're presenting it. You know, like if you if you didn't present that option to the brewery maybe they wouldn't do it you know yeah. like they'd be like oh yeah let's send you this much beer or whatever but they're presenting the option of like whoa you know we could do it as a pre-order and then we'll let you know and then we'll know exactly how much we need the brewery's like oh yeah okay that sounds good dude that's like a better. no-brainer yeah yeah so uh, i'm not sure what's happening over at tabloid yeah they're experimenting <laughs> as long as they still bring me uh beers i have no access to i'll, I'll tolerate it <laughs> Yeah, I guess we'll allow it. We'll allow it. I'll keep giving them all my money. All right, anything else we want to cover on adjuncts labeling disclosures? No. Um, I will say, I will add, I just think the gluten-free thing is interesting. Hmm. Because that is a that's actually a really common one. And one that, like, I have multiple friends that just don't drink beer. I see. They're it's gluten-free. too risky. Yeah, and I feel like that would be one that would be worth disclosing if you go through the trouble of gluten reducing your beer. I don't know, make that more known. I don't know, but I mean, maybe they think it's hurting them more than it's helping them. What brewery was it that they degluten all their beers? I think it's Blue Note. Okay. I, yeah. I'll, like, I almost called them today actually <laughs> to check and see. Yeah. Because I, I, deal somebody told me that once that they do and i don't know if that's actually true uh so i have to verify it but but if they do i mean they don't advertise it so yeah it's interesting and i wonder if other breweries do that as well but anyway more mysteries uh, this is an episode that truly brought more questions yeah. than answers <laughs> <laughs> next time a month from now we'll answer i know right yeah <laughs> I told my friends about this podcast, and I was like, yeah, we used to record once a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those are the days. Before I was uh, a parent. (laughs) We'll get back. We'll get back to this. I I strive to return to our once a week schedule. You know, seven years from now. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, this is good. It's funny because, you know, now when we do an episode, my editing, like, it used to be I, I had more pressure to yeah. edit every week and, you know, and, like, get it out on Monday. And now I'm like, ah, I'll just get it out when I get it. Get it out when you get it out. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> and some of my friends that listen are like, hello, we need another episode. Yeah, we need that drip. <laughs> I'm like, okay, 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 I'll get it out. That's awesome. So. All right, cool. We had the holidays and stuff, too. That was... Yeah, we'll get back into the grind, back into the flow. Now it's January. Nothing's going... Nothing exciting's happening No, nothing fun's happening for a long time. Cool. Well, this beer just got better as it warmed, so it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, as much as I complained about the milkshake IPA, I drank more of it. (laughs) Of the two. Um, I don't know what the weather is like there, but it's... Like it's cold, rainy. It's very cold here. Yeah. Oh, it's cold and rainy here too. So this like warming, spicy mm-hmm. beer is pretty perfect. That's awesome. All right, cool. Well, this has been Attenuation. We are on Instagram at Attenuation Podcast. I started posting pictures on there, Stephen. I know. I like it because I'm Makes taking me happy. I'm taking pictures for my uh my uh untapped account. <laughs> so then I just cross post them on Instagram. Um, And you can email us at contact.attenuation at gmail.com. And this has been episode 103 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. That's me. We're saying cheers, and we'll see you next time we record for episode 104. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for lots of extra fun content. See you next episode. Cheers.